Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. She broke down Welcome back, guys. DGS on KMOX. Colonel Jeff McCausland has been with us many times. just with us uh, last week when the war in Israel started. He returns today. Colonel, great to talk to you. Thank you, as always, for spending a few minutes with us. David, probably with you. So, Colonel, we spent our first hour from uh, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. taking listener phone calls, and the the fight is really taking shape uh, both physically, technically, war fighters, and then the larger PR war that's going on literally 24-7 around the world. I, for one, have been surprised to the point of shocked uh, how much anti-Semitism there is and how much support for not Palestine. I support Palestine. I, I think those those poor people are suffering awfully, uh, but almost conflating it with Hamas. So my question to you, because people keep saying, well, what do you expect Israel to do? What do you want them to do? Uh, callers, will, of course, will say, just level the place, you know, just turn it all into rubble uh, and uh, hyperbolic things like that. So let's talk reasonably and rationally about what choices Israel and the IDF have in front of them of how to go forward from here. Yeah, I think that's exactly right, Dave. I mean, there's absolutely no way anyone in good conscience could justify the horrific acts conducted by Hamas when they invaded uh, Israel on the 7th of October and butchered about 1,200 Israelis, women, children, in horrific fashion. It's just morally beyond the pale. There is absolutely no justification for that. But, you know, that didn't happen out of thin air. And so I think what one has to keep in mind, because it's important to understand that if you're going to figure out a solution, where that came from, and while they, that act was totally horrific, it comes from the fact that since 1948, when the Palestinians, many of those Palestinians or their predecessors were forced out of Israel into Gaza Strip, uh, we have not <clears throat> reconciled the issue of the Palestinian people. That has not been reconciled in any way, shape, or form, and there's blame to be shared across the board on, on why that has not happened. And I think it's important to separate those two things. Or Hamas, a terrorist organization that deserves to be destroyed for the horrific acts it has conducted. But if one is going to then move things to some period, hopefully longer-term stability and peace in the region, then that longer-term question, going back to 1948, has got to be addressed. Those things are inextricably linked. And furthermore, as a military guy, I always say to people when I was at the Pentagon, look, the use of military force is a means. It is not an end. Just leveling a place is, is not an end. 
you have to answer that very difficult question that I often found we ignored when I was in Washington, which was, and then what? Mm-hmm. And then what? So you move into Gaza. You occupy Gaza. You, you go through this horrific period of fighting in which literally probably thousands of Israeli soldiers are going to be killed and inj- injured as well as thousands of civilians. You occupy Gaza. What are you going to do then? And that's something you have to really think through. And as you then figure out how you're going to use that military instrument, you need to use it in the fashion, hopefully, that shapes that end state, which you would hope then would lead, lead to a longer period of peace and stability in the region. Uh, Colonel, I'm going to ask you a question, maybe unfair because I didn't prep you for it, but it's just about your life. So as a seasoned warfighter, what do you know now? What lessons did you learn from your decades of actually being on the ground and, and commanding troops in battle uh, that you wouldn't have known as a, as a young fighter? Well, what I know now, I mean, is just how people, uh, you know, react in combat, you know, and, and it's going to be very difficult for the Israelis who are preparing for this offensive but seem to be holding the line uh, for a good period of time until we can hopefully reconcile something about 221 hostages. And that's, I think, is delaying them from some form of ground incursion. And it's very difficult to keep soldiers at that sort of ready for an indefinite period of time. I always use the metaphor, it's probably a poor one of putting a, a guy on a track meet into the block, starting blocks yeah. and then leaving him there for an hour yeah. before he gets to start to run. And it's mentally very, very difficult. And like, remember, my guys getting ready to go into Iraq in 1991, and then we got told there was an effort by the Russians and the U.N. to that might find a settlement. And so we just sat there for two days, and it just worked on people's minds. And that'll happen to the Israelis. Second of all, um, I was in Fallujah in early uh, 2005, about a couple of weeks after the Marines and the Army re-secured uh, Fallujah, a city of about a quarter of a million people. We lost about about 100 guys, had about 500 get uh, injured in that particular fight over a period of about six weeks. But that was a city, the fraction of Gaza City, let alone the Gaza Strip. Fallujah was about a quarter of a million people, and 80 to 90 percent of them had evacuated because mm-hmm. they had some place to go. Uh, and as you walk, as I walked through the streets with the Marines who were my security detachment, uh, uh, every building in the city had two big X's on it, and it had two big X's on it because the Marines or the Army, whoever had that sector, had to go into every building, every room, every closet, every basement Mm. to make sure that they had rooted out the fighters, the insurgents, as well as weaponry, explosions, explosives, et cetera, and also make sure that they hadn't kind of infiltrated in behind the advancing Marines and Army. That'll be even a more difficult problem in uh, the Gaza and Gaza City because of the more dense population, because you've got an awful lot of apartment buildings, multi-story. There was no building in Fallujah more than three stories tall. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, underneath uh, the Gaza Strip, you got 300 kilometers of tunnels that allows them to move forces then uh, forward and come up behind you, making the, the uh, problem of uh, Gaza and Gaza City in urban fighting really exponentially more difficult than Fallujah was. Uh, we're talking to Colonel Jeff McCausland, if you're just joining us. Colonel, uh, a listener called in uh, earlier in the show and asked a question that I didn't have the answer to, but I'm, in, I'm certainly intrigued by. I have some hold on who Iran is and what they want and Israel and, uh, and Gaza and Hamas. What, what I don't understand is Saudi Arabia. They're obviously a huge player in that part of the world. They obviously have all the money in the world. Uh, Whose side are they on? What part do they play? And would you look to them to play a larger part if we could try some sort of a, a, a peace effort? 
Well, possibly, but the side they're on is the Saudi side. That's the side they're on. And historically, to be blunt, the Saudis don't give a damn about the Palestinians, uh, really. But uh, they publicly, obviously, proclaim their support for the Palestinians. Um, the current king, uh, who's aging, was always a strong advocate for the Palestinians. His son, the crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, I don't really think cares too much about the Palestinians one way or the other, uh, and was very interested in normalizing relations between Israel and Saudi Arabia because he saw it as enormously beneficial to uh, Saudi Arabia in terms of access to, t- to technology and furthering the, econ- the economy of Saudi Arabia. And number two, uh, tying him to probably the most powerful military force in the region, Israel, as his concern is always has been, always will be uh, Iran and the regional competition between uh, Iran and, and Saudi Arabia. So that's where his principal concern has been. But he has to pay very close to uh, close attention to what's referred to as the Arab street. How does the population react? And he also has to pay attention to the very conservative mullahs throughout Saudi Arabia of the Wahhabi faith who are extremely conservative, very supportive, at least rhetorically, for the Palestinians. And he doesn't want to incite you know, social unrest in his country. Now, could Saudi Arabia be a major player in the aftermath, particularly in providing uh, financial and material assistance to recover of Gaza? and the plight of, him, of the refugees in the aftermath, he cert- they certainly could. Will they do that? I think that remains to be seen. Uh, one last question, uh, Colonel, and this I, I ask it practically, not politically. You can answer it either way you want. But yeah. with Senator Tuberville holding up these appointments and promotions and such for the military, uh, how big of a deal is this practically if all of a sudden we are uh, forced into some sort of a conflict? Well, practically speaking, what major corporation in the United States of enormous size? Would Microsoft not promote people and still claim they could operate efficiently? Would they allow people to leave and retire and not replace them and still claim they could operate efficiently? I mean, this is absolute nonsense. And what Senator Tuberville is doing is is really, I think, direct violation of his oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States, defending that Constitution. He has to pay attention to the national security of the nation and making sure we have the best people in position, particularly when the United States is confronted by two major wars and enormous competition with the Chinese in terms of our national security affairs in the Pacific is almost unconscionable. And I would also point out there is nobody, nobody in either political party that supports this particular action. This is simply Tommy Tuberville, uh, I think, showing off to very conservative people in the Republican Party for his own personal benefit, and that's it. Uh, It's always great to talk to you. We're always smarter after talking to uh, Colonel Jeff McCausland. Colonel, have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Boy. Some people are so smart. That was the answer I was hoping for, because I can't stand Tommy Tuberville, but sometimes I just... You know, you start to question yourself and, mm-hmm. well, maybe you just don't like his face or maybe this or maybe that. Uh, but to hear a military expert like Colonel McCausland say, this guy is a rogue, he's off by himself, and he's really hurting the country. Um, God, I wish someone could do something about that. I can't believe – I mean, that seems – having studied the Constitution a, a little bit in law school a long time ago, it just seems like such a strange rule to have – that one senator 
can have such a gigantic effect on the military readiness of the country. That mm-hmm. seems like a terrible rule. And I thought that the United States and the Constitution and the rules of the Senate would be uh, malleable enough that when you have someone exploit it like this, you go, well, this is a terrible rule. We should change this so that it doesn't happen again. And forgive me, but why is he holding it up again? I mean, this has been going on for so long and it's gotten so ridiculous. I forgot what the the point even was. Because in the military, uh, the current rule is basically that if a member of the military is going to go to a, a, a travel to get an abortion, oh, that yeah. they'll pay for the travel expenses. And so, like the colonel said, he is, uh, I don't doubt that Tommy Tuberville is very pro-life, but he is doing this so that he can be the champion of the pro-life. Uh, but I think there are other ways to do that, and I think that when you compare what he is possibly even going to be able to accomplish versus the loss of life and limb and readiness and just even – I mean, you don't think China knows this? You don't think Russia knows this? You don't think that they're the biggest Tommy Tuberville fans in the world because he is single-handedly keeping us not as ready as we could be and should be? Of course they are. They love this story stupid crap mm-hmm. and they don't do it because they're fascist dictatorships and and this is what is messy about democracy mm-hmm. it, when you have due process is you get you know waste of oxygen like this idiot who can truly impact the lives of americans uh for a esoterically laudable reason if you're pro-life But when you really suss it all out, the comparison and the weighing it out just makes no sense whatsoever. And his very conservative Senate companions who are very much pro-life, very anti-abortion, have gone to him over and over again and said, you got to stop this. This this what you think you're doing is not what you're doing. So. All right. We have Chris Cuomo coming up at the top of the hour. Dave Marine headlines next. And uh, then Halloween starts at 420 today with a couple of spooky stories from me and uh, Sharon. Right. Mm-hmm. Really like Sharon. She was I really she's a nice lady. And uh, she really told her story very well. So looking forward to that. That is all brought to you by Lord Distributing and Portlandia. Big believer Cabernet Sauvignon. About a twenty dollar bottle of wine. Really good. I, I drank a bottle over the last two days and it has a picture of Bigfoot on the front. And that may sound like a stupid reason to buy a bottle of wine. But as I was discussing with Dave Murray, I've bought dozens of bottles of wine because they have a cool label and anyone who's into that kind of thing especially around halloween it's a it would be a really cool gift uh you want some normal dgs uh weird stories yes mm-hmm. have you seen the story about the pilot that tried to crash the plane yes yeah so there's this guy it's called deadheading when you're flying from one place to another but you're a pilot and you sit in the jump seat And unbeknownst to the pilot and co-pilot, this guy had been on a 48-hour bender. He took mushrooms 40 hours before he got on the plane, hadn't slept the entire time, says that he thought he was dreaming, and he tried to basically shut off the engines. Evidently, I didn't know this, there's some sort of a lever you can pull that will just 
cut off the engines. Oh, and he got it about halfway pulled, and they're like, uh, no. And so then they took him in the back, and he says to the flight attendants, you better lock me up because bad things are going to happen. So they handcuffed him. Don't do it again. Yeah. And, he, and he, he's been charged with like 83 counts of attempted murder. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, he tried to crash yeah. a plane. I don't, feel the, I don't feel the least bit bad for him. Like, you're a pilot. You should be better than us, yeah. and and mm. you shouldn't be taking mushrooms and getting on a plane as a pilot. What if the, the pilot and co-pilot both have heart attacks and you have to fly the plane? So yeah. anyway, don't feel bad for him. I heard um, I heard our friend Michael Calhoun reporting on this story a couple of days ago, and it was very funny because you know Michael is very very good and uh, at reporting the news, and he's got that very strong news voice. And so he reported the story um, about you know trying to shut the the uh, Plane engines off, but it was averted and nothing bad ended up happening. And then he tagged it at the end with uh, the uh, pilot was reported as saying it was his first time taking mushrooms. <laughs> I was like, did I hear that, did I yeah. hear that properly? A um, couple weird injury stories. Uh, instant karma. A woman was attacked by her own Rottweiler after giving it pot gummies. People, stop experimenting with drugs if you don't know what you're doing. Didn't There's we learn from Travis here. the chimp? No, my my wife works at a at a vet clinic in the area, and that is the number one thing that they get. They get, get that so often. They get animals that either got into, they've had dogs that got into some meth, they've had dogs that got into crack, <laughs> Wait, cocaine. How, how do you present that to the vet? Like, yeah, the dog got into my meth, and I'm a little worried as about I, him. As I understand it, it typically goes, they bring the dog in, they say, I don't know what's wrong. I have no idea. And then the vet is usually able to kind of make you at some point. The vet's kind of like, yeah, we think so. We think something might be going on here. Can you be a little give us any more information? And then usually if they have an interest in saving their dogs, do they give the dog back after that. You do give the dog back because you don't really have the authority, the authority to seize a dog. But what do you guys think of this? Um, an 82 year old Korean man choked to death eating live octopus. Evidently in Korea, there's a dish where mm-hmm. they serve the octopus. It's still alive. It's, it's, it's you know, octopusing around. It's a big thing. And when he swallowed it, it, it octopused around in his throat and it choked him to death. Now, I'm pro-human uh, over octopuses, but at the same time, it's like quit eating stuff alive. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't really feel that's a big, it's, it's a big like rite of passage. Like if you go out with your buddies and, you know, you've just well, gotten this guy your- passed first date or whatever it's like ah now you eat the octopus and I, I yeah i don't really feel bad if you eat a live octopus and you choke on it like that's kind of the risk that you take i feel like i went farther than i went on that one so <laughs> that's andrew everybody basically he deserves it he so. deserved it call from mom answer it call silenced Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 334 DGS on KMOX. Dave Murray joins us. Hello, Dave. Hello there. I want you to strap yourselves in because I got a lot to talk about today. Oh, Uh-oh. my goodness. Is it weather-related or you just got oh, grievances? Yeah. No. no, 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 no. It's weather. Of course it's weather. Oh, I, that would have been pretty cool uh, if you just started listing your grievances. <laughs> uh, take more than a couple of minutes. So uh, I wanted to save this story for Wheels because he would appreciate it so much. But uh, it's so interesting. I want to talk about it real quick before we launch into Dave's stuff. Uh, has anyone seen this medical study that purports that when you get a blood transfusion or a transplant, you can actually adopt that person's personality traits? Oh, that's terrifying. Have, oh, yeah, I've always wondered terrifying. that. I mean, that's like a million horror movies, right? Yeah. Like you get some guy's hand and you start strangling people. But evidently, it's true that they have shown study after study with thousands of people that have blood transfusions and or transplants and their personality traits change and they adopt basically how the person who gave them the transfusion was. So question, is that evidence for or against the soul? Does that is that evidence that we have a soul and that the soul can can you know kind of move and the soul is kind of within us and and we can actually we are that sort of personality that exists within us? I'll let Rachel answer that. Or is it proof that <laughs> I mean, if you we believe don't. the soul is in the blood, then maybe. But I've never thought of it that way. I I, I get what you're saying, but I don't Ouch. think it's no. Why does that feel? Ouch! I don't know. <laughs> I I get what you're saying, but I don't think it's like proof that we have a soul necessarily. No, I think mm. it's just proof that um, what makes us who we are is physical, at least to some degree. Uh, whether there's also a corporeal soul or not. Uh, but that it can be transferred to another person, which is just absolutely fascinating. Yeah. So, like, if you're like if you're married to a real, you know, a hole, it's like get him a transfusion get from someone some new, nice. Be like, you know blood. what? You need some of Nick's blood. He he he'd do you, he'd do you good. Uh, all right, Dave. Wow. Time for your grievances. All right, here we go. Uh, we're still windy and warm through Friday. And there'll be periods of showers, could even be a couple of thunderstorms. So that's the rule for Thursday. There's going to be also some sun, so don't think it's raining all the time. But 78 for the high on Thursday, 65 Thursday night. Friday, a couple of showers. I think our best chance for some thunderstorms will be Friday afternoon. 82 for the high on Friday. Again, this is not record heat. 85 is the record on Friday from 1950. Now, a cold front comes through Friday night. Not sure of the timing on this yet, but let's expect dropping temperatures. There'll be showers, a couple of thunderstorms around anytime Friday night, but it turns colder 
We'll feel that cold air coming in. 48 for the overnight low. So that's dramatically colder than we have been. The weekend is a cold, wet, raw time. Northwest flow. This front is going to get stuck just to our south. And then that becomes the running board for waves of rain and thunderstorms. Saturday, cloudy. Showers, 55 for the high on Saturday. Sunday, periods of rain, a cold rain, and 52. And then we completely dry out for early to mid next week. But it gets even colder Our first freeze should happen Sunday night, again Monday night, and again on Tuesday night as temperatures. Probably Sunday night we drop to about 30, but I think we're in the 20s on Monday night and again on Tuesday night. So the growing season comes to an end. If you still have house plants out, get them in over the next couple of days. The average frost date is October 23rd. The average freeze date is November 2nd. So we're Hmm. kind of right on schedule with that. No changes for Halloween. Chilly to cold. Sunny skies during the day. 45 for the high. Trick-or-treat time, about 38 to 40 degrees as we go down to 28 degrees overnight on Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. So a real roller coaster yeah. ride of weather coming up. Coldest air of the season coming in, but it's going to take some time. Uh, two questions. First one, selfish. I planted my grass seed over the weekend. Do you think this this frost would uh, will kill it? No, no, okay. not at all. I, I think with the rains we've been getting and the rains we're going to continue to see with the warm weather, you're going to have some very, very happy grass seed. Good. Uh, and then secondly, just sort of in general, once we, we have this, you know, 40s down to the 30s, do you think we heat back up significantly or do you think that we kind of stay back down there? No, I don't think we stay back down. I think uh, as we get into November, still a roller coaster of a month. Uh, Temperature-wise and moisture-wise, though, we should start to probably see an increase in rainfall as we go through November. But yes, this is not the end of you know, you know some great weather. We have more on that. And uh, winter forecast will be coming out probably the middle of November. Rachel's people and my people have to get together to pick a date. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, Headlines, Rach? Headlines is brought to you by Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app and earn 2% back on every purchase. All right, the White House has called off a concert by the B-52s due to the ongoing conflict in Israel. The band had been scheduled to perform at a state dinner for Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese, I guess, tonight. But First Lady Jill Biden told reporters the show wouldn't be appropriate in the current climate. So the band will still attend the dinner as guests, but they won't perform. What do now, you is that because of the name or just that's because a great it's question, a show? I think, it's, I think it's because it's like this is a, a kind of a party band and it's uplifting and it's happy, happy, happy. And it would just be kind of weird. I mean, they're still having a state dinner, which is yeah. a pretty celebratory event, I would think. I think they took a lot of crap uh, when the war first started and they had a barbecue for the staff. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people were like, you know what, maybe just postpone that for a month or send them all to the sizzler or something. But bad optics when Mm -hmm. a thousand people are being massacred and, and you're like cooking ribs. It is very funny that of all the bands that it could have been to yes. be scheduled to perform in this very delicate and sensitive time, it's the B-52s doing yeah. rock the lobster. Kind of strange, yeah. <laughs> Orlando has approved a deal to buy the Pulse nightclub. The building has been unused since the June 12, 2016 shooting that killed 49 people. In a vote held Monday, the city agreed to buy the building and land for $2 million with plans to build a permanent memorial to the victims of the shooting. 
How long ago is that? 2016. 16. Oh, wow. oh man. Uh, maybe Dave Murray can tell us some more about the super fog that happened outside of New Orleans. The death toll is up to eight from an interstate pileup caused by the super fog on I-55 outside New Orleans. Over 168 vehicles were involved in the pileup after a super fog created whiteout conditions on the highway Monday morning. Yeah, it's kind of a combination. It was uh, on a kind of a bit of a bridge, too. And, And so there was a lot of fog that developed but it was also combining with some wildfires that were burning in the area. So you get the particulate matter of the fog and moisture droplets with the particulate matter of the smoke. And it, it, it kind of enhances the, the visibility drop. And visibility was, was basically zero. Man, you probably should have closed the bridge that's down. That's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Just sitting there, literally not knowing when you're about to get hit. I know. Yeah, and you know you're going and to And you get know hit. you're going to. Right. Yeah. I hate driving through the fog. Last Thanksgiving, I I left my mom's in Grafton and I was going down the river road and there was really bad fog, but it was still enough to where I could see like six feet ahead of me, but it was still incredibly scary. These were whiteout conditions. I mean, they couldn't see anything. I I think I told you guys the story when we were coming back from parents weekend at KU a couple weekends ago. Uh, Dave, I thought of you because we were looking at the the radar and we're on Highway 70, obviously, and there was a big storm that had passed from the south to the north and there was another one coming and we're trying to split it and I didn't stop. I, I would have just peed in my pants if I had to, because I'm like trying to get through this thing. And it it was scary. Like I, I usually don't get uh, weirded out at all by storms or driving in storms, but it was blowing the car around and you can see it blowing the semis ar- around and like it was 10 and two, brother, like oh, yeah. eyes wide yeah. open. Okay, a U.S. Postal Service employee is facing charges after abandoning his mail route and trashing more than 200 pieces of mail he was supposed to deliver in West Virginia. While working as a postal carrier, the man tossed mail belonging to uh, some residents in a dumpster on March 27th and April 1st. On both occasions, he threw out the mail because, quote, he was running late for a personal matter. (laughs) He's now facing up to a year in federal prison and a $100,000 fine. No shade to the fine postal workers, but I bet that happens way more than we know. Oh, I think does. you're right. I think you're very true about that. I think that does happen. And if I were one, it would happen even more because I can <laughs> oh, yeah. completely, completely see Dave Glover uh, postman doing that on like a daily basis. I'm getting you know, they, quote unquote robbed tracked. every day. <laughs> they're tracked all the time. The trucks are tracked all the time. I was talking to our mailman. This was a couple of months ago. And and we were having, I've talked to him almost every day, say hello to him anyway. And uh, we got talking. He said, I got to get going. They know exactly where I am and how much time I've spent. Wow, stopped. Wow. wow. So I got to get moving. What if your postman was just paranoid and they don't actually track him? <laughs> not, I don't know. He doesn't seem to be that kind of guy. But that, that's The, the government's kind of, watching me with drones all the time. Got to go. Like I know they have systems, but that's the kind of thing that when I see the, the post office truck pull up and I see all those envelopes and magazines, I'm like, this is a farce. It's impossible. You can, this, you're... It's impossible to just have it all sectioned out. This one goes to Dave, and this one goes to Dave's neighbor, and this one goes to this. It just, that system is amazing. You know what's amazing is when you move, and then they put the little yellow sticker on there that's like forwarding address. They catch the fact that they're sending the mail to the wrong address, and then they forward it to your new one. It's impressive. It's Mm kind of cool. 
Okay, only 3% of the U.S. population, or about 10 million Americans, have gotten an updated COVID-19 vaccine. This is according to the latest numbers from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, the slow adaptation of the new vaccine comes at a time when funding for public education education around the updating shots has been slashed. The CDC recommended updated vaccines from Moderna and Pfizer and BioNTech for everyone six months and older on September 12th. I personally know six people, none of whom I've been around, but six people who have COVID right now. Um, I need to go in and get my shots next week. Everyone knows how this is. Like, I'm hosting the uh, Folds of Honor Gala, so I can't get it now. I usually don't have reactions, but I can't risk it. Then it's Halloween. I'm going to have to be, you know, all hands on deck for that. Like, there's just... There's never a good time. Never a great time. And the thing is, you don't think about it until you have something big coming up. Because I'm in the same boat. I'm like, oh, I should get it. And then it's like, well, I'm going on vacation next week. I can't do it now. I don't want to be sick for that. So then it's like... When do you get it done? There's never yeah, Jan- a good Janice time. has a doctor's appointment. Had a doctor's appointment on Friday. They called her this morning. And said, oh, the "Doctor's got COVID, mm. so we're okay. canceling that." Rach, do you wish you would have gotten uh, your vaccines like a few weeks ago, where you'd have less chance of getting sick? Yeah, on I vacation. Do. I just i I wasn't thinking ahead. Yeah. And I've waited too long. And now, so I'm going to Japan next week, which is the biggest trip I've ever been on in my life. I'm super excited to go. And yeah. I, I do wish I was fully vaccinated for that. How, how was Japan about that during COVID? Were they like during a total COVID, shutdown? They were very locked down. I don't think they were yes. really letting anyone into the mm. country. Well, let's just hope he doesn't that, get that, locked yeah. in there. Not to be a downer here, but a, a, a friend of ours who uh, I walk dogs with him every afternoon, uh, she she is from Japan, flew back there about a month and a half ago and came home with COVID. Oh, okay. There you go, right? Well, maybe I'll get COVID <laughs> and then I'll have three weeks off of work. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. <laughs> yeah, right. They'd make me do the show from home just like the other two times I had COVID. <laughs> Okay, one more story here. Taco Bell has officially freed Taco Tuesday from its trademark. They're in this big battle with a restaurant and bar in New Jersey trying to get them to forfeit their trademark for Taco Tuesday after more than 40 years of owning it. And they've come to an agreement and they're letting it go. So who owned it for 40 years? Um, Gregory's Restaurant and Bar in Summers Point, New Jersey. And Taco Bell wants it? Taco Bell wants everyone to be able to use Taco Tuesday. Or well, at least that's ass, what they're Taco saying. Taco Bell. I <laughs> want one hand and crap in the other. See which fills up first. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got Gregory's to release the trademark, and now other people can use it. Well, I hope Gregory's got some mild sauce out of it or something, <laughs> which I never get when I go to Taco Bell. <laughs> Ten billion. I didn't realize I was so bad at Taco you're, Bell. You're, a lot of rage is coming out, and I'm a little surprised. Yeah, I'm getting some poison out today. <laughs> Venomous Dave. Thank you, Dave Murray. All righty. I don't know how long I thought I could just sit here and say nothing, but I was, I was feeling pretty comfortable. I'm just like, <laughs> let somebody Magic else do it for us. a change. Uh, guess what's dividing the internet? Is it the Instacart thing? Uh, no. Is, okay. it the, is it the list of places where women won't be taken on dates? Oh, I have that on my show prep. 
Drew, you want to take a shot at it? No, it's, it's, it's none of those things. It is, is it okay to uh, have a yellow pillow, yellow from being stained, uh-huh. stained from your nastiness? Uh, half the internet says this is absolutely disgusting. The other half says it's cozy and it's comfortable and this is my pillow. I wouldn't call it cozy, but I think that's everyone's own personal business. Look at if you. If they want a slobber pillow, then they should be able to use it. I mean, you know? I have a slobber pillow. I have a clean pillowcase that I, so that I wash. And <laughs> How will I come back and interview Chris Cuomo after that? <laughs> but I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'll own up to it. I have the slobbery yellow pillow, but I, it's there's no way to avoid it. Wow, you somehow just made it even worse. Slobbery yellow, slobbery yellow pillow. pillow, if you will. And I love my pillow. I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. Wow. Do I regret that last segment? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, he really... Uh, and I played into it, too, though. Yeah. That's on me. I'm going to blame you on that one. Yeah, I'm blaming you. Uh, okay, going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking to Chris Cuomo from Cuomo on News Nation. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 